Hey, it's wonderful to be back in not only Cambridge, but particularly in C3. Some of you will know I have family here, and it's great to be uh, able to see them as well. Um, I, I, could I just say what a gracious group of people you are? I recall a couple of years ago, uh, whenever Ireland had beaten England at rugby, <laughs> I gloated. Unfortunately, we got tanked yesterday. Absolutely mashed. It was, it was, it was what, what Ireland normally do to other teams, England did to us. So I graciously say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was also delighted to hear that you're uh, doing a 21-day fast, whatever level you participate in that. Particularly uh, encouraged because we've just finished... Uh, a seven-day fast at home, a week of prayer and fasting. It, it's been, I've, I've been doing it uh, for, oh, wow, 35 years now. And I'd have to say it's one of the highlights of the church calendar and the church year. And if you participate in it, not only will it do you good, but as Rihanna said, you'll see some real incredible breakthroughs. So I want to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you today on the subject of prayer, of course. And uh, look at a, uh, just a particular aspect that you may not have thought before when it comes to prayer. Uh, let, let me, let me uh, put up our, my first verse, if you would, please, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, if I could uh, see it there, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, I'll, I'll read it in a second. I, I was in business for many years before I became inverted commas full-time in church, and one of the things that... Uh, when you were trying to connect with someone and sell them something, one of the most important things was that you had to establish really quickly is that was the person in front of you able to make a decision to buy the product that you were showing them? Had they the authority and had they the power to do that? And if they hadn't, you were polite, but you got out of there as quick as you could. Because there's no point in talking to them because they couldn't actually do anything with what you were talking about. So you had to establish that. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on this in a minute because this is the meat of my talk, is that even if you established that they were the buyer, the purchasing officer or whatever, and they had the power to do it, there were certain variables because even though, even though you might show them something that you wanted them to buy, they mightn't like you because everything's relational. Number two, they mightn't like your product. Number two, it might be too expensive. Number three, they just had bought something similar. Number four, they had a bad day. And there, there were an incredible number of variables whether you actually could sell them that particular product. And so as you enter this uh, period of prayer and fasting, could I just say to you that unless you've got confidence that the person you're talking to, God Almighty himself, is able to not only listen, but to do something with what you're talking to him about. Could I suggest to you you're wasting your time? Yeah. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 says, I could, I could have read a myriad of verses, but it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. There's a bigger context there, but I want to just zoom in on that for one second, and that is we have confidence in God, a really key issue. We have confidence in God that not only, not only does He hear our prayers, but He answers them, not always in the way that we think He should, of course, but God not only hears them, He is able to do something about our requests. So we come with absolute confidence. Please don't come this 21 days and think, well, what's the point? 
You know, it's all set in place. You know, C.S. Lewis said, well, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. Actually, I have a great respect for C.S. Lewis because he was a Ulster man, okay? But nonetheless, I think he's dead wrong. Because I actually think not only does prayer change us, it certainly does, but I think that it is a God-ordained means of changing our world and changing things and breaking through into lives. I'm absolutely convinced about that. My second verse is, uh, I put it up, it's James uh, chapter 5, I, I love it. And the, it's the King James Version because it reads much better. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hey, what about that? Generally, the, the, the new NIV version is, you know, the, the prayer of a righteous person has, person has much effect. I mean, seriously, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous, let's say person, man or woman, availeth much. In other words, not only have you a God that you can come to with confidence, but when you pray, something begins to happen. A, a, a sequence of events are set into place that begin to change events. I, I, I suppose that's the key thing for me. Can, can prayer actually change anything? Prayer certainly does change us, but I'm convinced that, that there's something incredible happens when we begin to pray. Do you know that there are more if and then clauses in the Bible than any other clauses? Let's read uh, together Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And uh, God says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face to turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He then goes on to add, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. The Lord is in effect saying, I want to heal and forgive you, but I'm waiting for you to humble yourselves and to pray. There's an if clause, if you will do this, then I will do that. And right throughout Scripture, you see that. There are conditions. The purpose of prayer in this passage is not to challenge or to change, sorry, to change the Israelites, but to impact God and heal their land. If they would pray, they would experience that. If they didn't, they wouldn't. In other words, prayer really makes a difference. I, honestly, I really believe it. I've seen it, I've seen it so often in my own life. And, and of course, sometimes, and oftentimes God you know, comes Left, left field and does something that we don't expect but I'm absolutely convinced that when we pray with confidence and we come to a God who can do something that something begins to change now in other words things really hang upon prayer John Wesley said this and I, personally I think it's probably stretching it he said God does nothing on earth except by prayer now I think it's probably pushing it a bit okay but I get the sentiment behind it that when we pray something begins to happen. Now, I know that, that a number of you will say, well, I prayed for something and nothing happened. And that's been, that's been all of our experience, hasn't it? I mean, we, 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 you know, we, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to say something is what it isn't, but I'm taking a warfare stance. In other words, in other words prayer changes things. And God has set things up in a way that some things don't happen because we don't pray. We don't pray. But, but I'm also convinced that there is resistance when we pray and that we use all the means at our disposal to pray and to see what God wants and God's will done on earth. So why do we find our prayers answered in an arbitrary way? That's what I want to talk about today. 
And as I've been looking at Scripture and thinking a lot about this recently, um, I, I'm going to give you 10 reasons, 10, 10 variables in prayer. I think sometimes because of what I've just said, you say, well, there's a God with confidence. He can, he's got the power and the authority to do something. And we're praying. And we're praying what he wants. Why don't we see it? And we think, well, it'll just happen anyway. I want to give you 10 variables today of why sometimes our prayers aren't answered and we don't see breakthrough. Number one, number one, God's will. I'm going to read John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And that's, of course, about praying in the name of Jesus. If you could put that up. And Jesus says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Rihanna talked a lot about that today. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. It sounds like a blank check, doesn't it? It, it really does. You kind of go, oh, okay. But you see, it's not, a, it's not a magic name. It's not like abracadabra and something begins to happen. Praying in the name of Jesus presupposes that what you're praying is God's will. To pray in the name of Jesus means that it's his will and in keeping with his character. It's like in the old movies, you know, people would come up and go, in the name of the king. In other words, you carried the authority of the king. You spoke for the king. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, what you're doing is you're praying the will of God into a situation. And in praying it, you've got to keep in mind that it's got to be in keeping with the character of God. Now, I'm very happy to pray about everything. Uh, for instance, Second uh, Peter talks about God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to a, a, a knowledge of Him. In other words, we can con- we know from Scripture we can confidently pray about things that are God's will. Sometimes you get things and you go, "I'm praying about this, nothing's happened. I wonder does the Lord want me to take a different tact here?" We we bought a house. I was coming out of the church once. This literally. 28, nine years ago, and a man stopped me. There were a block of five houses beside our church. And he said, are you the, are you the boss in there? And I said, well, that's not quite how I would put it. But yeah, I said, and he said, I'm selling this house. And I said, how much are you looking for? He said, 37,000. I said, I'll give you 35. This is, this is literally, literally how it happened. He said, I'll give, I said, I'll give you 35. He said, would you take 36? Uh, would you give me 36? I said, okay. I spat in her hands and shook on it. And I walked up home and I said, I just bought a house there. Now I said to him, I said, I've got a, it'll be subject to planning. I was, I wasn't completely stupid. Anyway, the long and short of it was when we applied for planning, we were told through back channels, there was no way we were going to get it. The, the planners were absolutely set. The line for, for offices and, and change of use had stopped at our church and they weren't giving any more. It was absolutely, there was no chance. And it was just a holiday time. And it was only, it was our youth pastor, Peter and I and we were left. And, and I, I, I called him, I said, Peter, come on up here a minute. I said, look, we've been told we aren't getting this here. Look, either this isn't God's will or we're getting opposition from the devil. And we got down on our knees and we prayed. And honestly, within a couple of minutes, the both of us said, this is the devil. We, are, we believe we need to go ahead with this here. This is God wants us to have the, uh, that. Now, the long and short of it was, we, we go without an appeal. They gave us the planning permission because we discerned that what we were praying about was God's will. So there are some things that are obviously God's will. If you're praying for, the, for, for someone, a relative, a friend, to come to know Christ, of course that's God's will. You can pray in the name of Jesus. But there's some things in your life you've got to take a step back and go, Lord, is, are you, am I praying the right way here? 
I don't want it to be complicated in any way. I mean, Paul uh, talks about his thorn in the flesh and prayed for it three times to be removed, and that request was denied. The Lord, for some reason, said, no, Paul, I'm giving you this so that, so that you're weak, in, in your weakness, my strength may, might be made perfect. So sometimes it's God's will. And that's important. Number two, and we've got to be, remember, remember there are variables, so I'm, I'm, I'm being careful here. The faith of the person being prayed for. Sometimes there's a, there's a, a, a variation in that the person you're praying for has absolutely no faith. Let's read Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. It's Jesus going into one of his hometowns, uh, you know, where he was known. He could not do any miracles there except by his hand, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Wouldn't that be great to lay your hands on a few sick people and heal them? And he said, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Could you imagine that even the Son of God, you know, because, because of the way that God, God has has set things up because of their lack of faith, couldn't do anything. Now, I, I've got to be careful there. Please, please don't say to somebody, the reason you're not healed is because of your lack of faith. Honestly, don't do that. It's not helpful. And generally speaking, it's not true, okay? All right, so be really careful there. But there is something in this here. And we've got to go back to Scripture again. I, well, you say, well, why was that? I think because there's no context for relationship. I think that, I think that you know, the relationship between father and son was unhindered. Uh, there was nothing in between. There this constant flow of communion. And so there was this healing power that came through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And I think that healing comes through relationship. It's the idea that God uses us to express his will upon this earth. And so even the Son of God is unable to do something because of their lack of faith. Jesus said on occasions, not every occasion, but he said, he said, your faith has made you well, go in peace. So there's a dynamic there that we have to consider in whether our prayers are answered or not. Number three, the faith of the people doing the praying. Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 5, when the, the friends came with, the, with their, uh, the, the, the man who couldn't walk, they couldn't get, couldn't get through the crowd. So they, they removed the roof and they lowered him down. And it says, Jesus saw their faith. So there's a dynamic in prayer where our faith comes into play. And uh, Jesus said, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that comes in that touches the lives of other people through our faith. The centurion, uh, his faith was involved in his servant's healing. At the Mount of uh, Transfiguration in Mark 9, the disciples are unable to cast out a demon. What does Jesus say? Because of their lack of faith. So there's, it's, not, it's not the case in every time. But there's something in there we have to consider. Is there, are we coming with this confidence and this belief that God has done something and we're going to move, God's going to move something. God has spoken to us and we pray with a confidence that we're going to see God move. Sometimes it's a lack of, of faith. Sometimes it's because of the faith of the people who pray. The act of prayer is simple, but the mechanics sometimes are complex. Number four, persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Jesus talks a lot about this. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Oh, I can't see that one. Jeez, may I say it's good, but it's, it ain't that good. Let's, uh, let's read it out of the, the Bible, okay? Uh, the written word. This, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should, wait for it, always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a, ju in a, certain town, there was a judge 
who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the woman, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? As in the physical realm, some things are harder than others. It seems to be the same in the spiritual realm. It's like carrying a heavy object. So it is in prayer. Some things you pray with and you see an instant answer. Other things require a great deal of prayer. Prayer is not magic, but it is hard work sometimes. And often you have to actually travail in prayer and keep on going. There's no shortcut. In this passage, the woman petitions a judge for justice and she keeps on at him until she's obtained justice. Now, please, could I just say, this is not a parable about what God is like, all right? It's a, it's a parable on how prayer should be sometimes. We aren't twisting with God's arm. We're cooperating with him to see God, to see God do what he wants to do anyway. We should knock and keep on knocking, uh, ask and keep on, oh, sorry, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, and seek and keep on seeking. There, there's a, how long do you do that? I don't know. I, some of you will know. It's actually happened to me here. I have an atrial fibrillation AF. And uh, I've had it for about, oh, many, many years. Uh, and uh, I, everywhere I go, whether I'm preaching or not preaching, I get somebody to pray for me. I say, would you, would you pray for me? I don't care. I'm going to keep on going. In 2000, June 2016, I was speaking in Aberdeen over the weekend. And uh, my heart went into AFib, uh, out of regulation. I had the worst night I think I've ever had in my my. It was terrible. I had to preach four times the next day. And when I, I could only sit on a seat, uh, they have that up there in case I pass out. But, uh, uh, but uh, that's true. And, I, and honestly, I felt a wretched. And there were times when I just thought, Lord, I'm going to stop praying for this because nothing's happening here. It's getting worse, in fact. And a man, after the second service, a man came up to me, uh, a random who I'd never met before. And he said, could I pray for you? I said, Sure. He put his hand on my heart and instantly it went back into regulation. Now, it self-regulates, so it does happen like that. But when I phoned Priscilla that afternoon and to tell her what happened, I said to her, but something different happened today. Honestly, I knew. I, I, I knew. I just said something. And she said, and she said, woman of power and faith said, well, we'll see, won't we then? You know, <laughs> I, well, you know, fair enough. Can I, can I, I think this deserves something, but since June 2000, that, that, for, that Sunday, I've never had another attack of AF. Honestly. I, and you go, you go, well, what, what? I don't know. I don't know. I just think that I wouldn't give up. Can I just say to you, you know, some of you have prayed for years about something and you packed it in because you never saw anything. Could you kick it back into being again? Could you pick it up again and go, did God tell you to stop? You know, the, the Jesus so, somehow, I think, says to us here, we've got to keep on praying. 
You may never know why. Only God knows the dynamics. But it's almost like you keep on praying and you keep on praying and then suddenly something tilts over. We are in a spiritual battle. Persistence in prayer. Number five. Okay, now these are only variables because they all change. And, and, and so I don't want to confuse you. But I do want to say this isn't just as simple as, well, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen, okay? According to Scripture, this is what I see. Number five, sin in your life or in the life of the person being prayed for. Now, does that mean, does that, mean that you have to be perfect before you can pray? Absolutely not. I mean, it's interesting in, in Acts 10, when the angel visits Cornelius, who wasn't a believer at that time, he, he says to him, the Lord has seen your, you know, your, uh, your good works and your, your, general, your almsgiving. It's the man who's not a believer. Actually says that, the angel said. In other words, the Lord took account of it. So I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but I am saying this. You know, if you're, if you're praying for breakthrough in a particular area and there's a glaring sin in your life, there's something going on and, and you know it or maybe you don't know it you need revelation for it but generally speaking you know it there's something going on the Bible's very clear that it does hinder God answering you so we'll, in using this, these days of 21 days of prayer and fasting wouldn't it be incredible to come and go Lord Holy Spirit would you just shine your light on my life because we all carry attitudes and things etc I mean I, I've told you this story before and I don't want to go into it all again but you know I was a uh, you know I was a pastor for several years before I dealt with the issue of unforgiveness and uh, in, in my life forgiving my father who had abandoned us as a family I, I saw him once in 36 years that was a real battle for me but honestly something changed when I forgave him it was, a glare, it was a big, big hole in my life. And, you know, every, and even now, after all these years, he's passed away. I was reconciled to him. You know, something happened. It was incredible. Every now and then, I revisit it again. I have to go, no, some, hold on a second. You know, that's gone. That's dealt with. And, and, and something happened there. So I, could I just say, there, there's, there's a blockage there. Make sure that we keep our channels and our lives clean before God and nothing might hinder our prayers. The great verse in First. Peter 3, 7. Husbands have their prayers hindered because they treat their wives without respect. Wives, nudge your husband right now, okay? Just a big elbow down the, uh, down the side. Well, it's funny, you know, that Peter should mention that. Men, husbands have their wives, their prayers are hindered because they don't treat their wives properly. So sometimes, sometimes, you know, this is what happens. Could I say, um, all sickness is a result of the fall, but, but sin is not generally not the direct cause of sickness in someone's life, okay? But sometimes issues like bitterness, unforgiveness, psychosomatic things can hinder your healing. And so we need to hear for the Lord and ask for discern, discernment. Let's use the next 21 days actually as a, as a means of changing us as well. God doing something in our life. Number six, the number of people praying seems to make a difference. That's why I love corporate prayer. Uh, and we, we have a prayer room at home where you go in and you pray on your own for an hour or two. Honestly, I'm such a people's person. I go in there and I get another hour's sleep. I just go to our father and I'm out, I'm gone. 
You know, I like to be with people. That's just me. I like to be with people to pray. There's a, I call it a, there's a, a corporate uh, dynamic of prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, and there were Peter's in prison and verse 12. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Uh, there, there's a sense in which, and then in 2 Corinthians uh, 1 and 11, uh, Paul is talking about his own difficulties, and he says, uh, these things happen that we might not rely on the dead, but on the God who, on the God who, uh, 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 yeah, I'll never forget that verse. It's with me all the time. <laughs> um, anyway, it's in the Bible somewhere, okay? <laughs> and it talks about, yeah, right. It says, 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 11, uh, Paul's talking about his recovery. He says, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. So there's a dynamic in which prayer uh, is helped by the number of people praying. I mean, in the Old Testament, you get that picture of Moses going up the, the, uh, you know, in the battle with the Amalekites, and he holds his staff up. And as, as long as the, the staff is held up, the two men, Aaron uh, they're holding his arms up. They, you know, they overcome the Amalekites. When his arms drop, the battle goes the other way. We don't understand it. how does that work. I don't know. It doesn't say. But as soon as they disengage with him, the battle swung the other way. When something's really serious, do we get the church to pray? Don't we? You go, hey, we need, we, need to, we need to have a time of corporate prayer here. And you know, that's why, that's why Steve has actually called this time of prayer. Not that there's a, I mean, it's a great blessing, but it's a sign that things really happen when you get together to pray. I, I don't know what corporate things you're going to do together. Can I encourage you? Come to every one of them. Really, honestly, make an effort and go, you know, we do only do this once a year. I'm going to be there because something breaks when people come together to pray. There's a power in unity. There's a different authority when we agree with just more than one. We get the group together. Number seven, human free will. I, I know I've been praying for some people for years and years and years. and I'm going to continue to do that. It's a, to me, as I look at Scripture, now I could be wrong, I think there's only one group of people that Paul prays for that they will be saved, and it's Israel. It's in Romans 9 and 10. But when he's talking about spreading the gospel, he talks about, you know, pray for me that I should be bold. That's what he does. He doesn't say, pray that you'll save Joe or Sandra or so-and-so. That's not what he prays. He prays, pray for me that I should proclaim the gospel fearlessly to them. Because you can't, over, you can't override human free will. That's what I believe anyway. I think lots of people, praying for people, increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Uh, none of them could have overridden uh, a, a free will. God initiates salvation. God sustains salvation. God completes salvation. I still believe in the Wesleyan uh, doctrine that there's still freedom to reject the grace of God when it's presented to you. I was praying one morning and I said, Lord, would you, um, I think I'm okay, yeah. Uh, I said, Lord, um, I just felt one of those days, I said, Lord, give me opportunity. I do it every day, but you know, one of those ones, Lord, uh, you know, so I went, I was going to get my hair cut uh, and uh, it doesn't happen very often. And I go to the same girl, I know all about her, I know, I know her whole life because she talks to me. And uh, when, I, when I come in, I sat down and she, uh, she was crying, she had a pain in her shoulder. And I felt the Lord say, you need to pray for her today. And I said, do I have to? 
You know, one of those ones. Anyway, I said, Lord, if there's nobody at the till when I'm going to pay, you know, nobody in the shop, I'll do it. Yeah, there was, there was nobody there. Anyway, so I, I just had to do it. So I said, could I pray for you? And she said, she got a bit. She said, oh, 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 oh say a little prayer for me. I said, no, I'll pray for you now. And, her, and her, her assistant shouted out, you've tried everything else. Why don't you try prayer? So, so I said, so I honestly, was, and she, she doesn't, of course, she doesn't go to church or anything like that. So, and there's no keyboard playing gently in the background. You know, I mean, it, honestly, it was awful. You know, and she just stands like this here with her, her eyes open towards me. So I just put my hand on her shoulder. I said, would it be okay if I touched her shoulder? Yeah, okay. Touched her shoulder. And so she, her eyes open. So my eyes are open and I stare at her and I just felt the Lord. I just said, I just said, I know all about it. I said, I said, you know, Donna, I said, you think that all the stuff in your life that you've done and that goes on, it's made God mad and he's just getting even. But he's not. He loves you. And actually wants to invade your life with his love and grace. God isn't disillusioned with you because he had no illusions to begin with. And she broke down in tears. I got a great opportunity, not just to pray for her, but to talk to her about the Lord. And you know something? I think it was an answer to that prayer that day and ongoing prayers and a relationship when I visit her once a year to get my hair cut. (laughs) I'm going more often these days. So there's something powerful about human free will. You can't override it. You, 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 You can't. You can do all that you can do. But ultimately, they make that choice. Number eight. Now, we get into a few verses that are slightly obscure, but I'm, I'm happy enough to go to them because they're in the Word of God, and I, I'm happy. Uh, number, number eight, uh, angelic assistance. Uh, Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Um, I, I'll just break into it. Daniel's been praying for three weeks, and uh, the angel arrives uh, for him, and he says uh, this. Verse 12, then he, he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. So whatever we, think, whatever we think goes on with angelic beings, there's an unseen world that, that actually is there that we don't see. So Daniel's praying for three weeks, no breakthrough. Suddenly the angel comes through and goes, Oh, Goodness, we heard your prayer the first day, and I'm here to help you. I'm here to answer it. There's something going on. I mean, Hebrews is very clear. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, 14. Are we not all angels, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So there's angelic assistance here. Ephesians talks to us about, we don't wrestle against principalities and powers, but rather against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What I'm trying to say is this. There's There's a spiritual dynamic here in angelic help for our prayers, according to Daniel uh, and uh, according to the Word of God. And then number nine, satanic resistance. The angel then goes on and says this. He said, I've come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. So whatever's happening in in the heavenlies, when the answer is on the way to gain help as a result of our prayer and fasting, it can be resisted. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, 18, he says, well, basically he says, I wanted to come to you, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned uh, by being separated from you for a short time in in, uh, person, not in thought. And then he says, for we wanted to come to you, certainly. I, Paul, 
uh, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. Have you ever thought about that? That Actually, there's a satanic assignment against the prayer and the person that you're praying for. There's a blockage there. We, listen, in Cambridge, it's not just an intellectual battle you're fighting. It's a spiritual battle. It's primarily a spiritual battle. And we need to pray that not only will we, get, will we, have, uh, we come against resistance, but that the, the veil, the cover will be lifted off people's eyes uh, because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe the gospel. There's something going on. There's satanic resistance. And number 10, as I finish, the number of spirit beings or angels being involved in it. Daniel says this, but the prince, or the prince of Persia, uh, the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So it seems to be not only is there angelic assistance, is there satanic uh, resistance, but there is actually, he required the help of Michael. Where was Michael? I don't know. Maybe he was in another assignment somewhere. But he makes it clear. He said, I, could, I wouldn't have got through if I hadn't have had a bit of help here. So all to say, whatever that looks like or that means, there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on for the hearts and minds of Cambridge. And could I say, for the life and soul of this church as well. You have to be vigilant, and that's why we're doing this prayer. That's why we're getting together. We're going to go, Lord, thank you for all you've done, but we want to see more happen. We want to see an incredible breakthrough in our lives and in the life of this, um, this church. There's no formula. There are variables. And we never know what they are. You say, goodness, do I have to run through all 10 of those every time I pray? No, you don't. And Daniel, Daniel, you know, Daniel just prayed. We don't know what's going on. Our job is to pray. That's our job. We just, we, take, we just take authority. I think there are some things that we can check, like is there sin in our heart? Are we really believing God for what we've done? Have we given up? Are we persistent? Are there enough of us together? Some things require a, a number. And, and some things don't happen. We've no idea why. There are principles, but nothing's always that easy. There are other factors at work. God's will is not the only variable in prayer. But I believe this, that we come with confidence and that prayer is powerful and effective. Okay? When we pray, things change. There's never a wasted prayer. When you pray, it has a God-honoring factor. So I commend you and encourage you to pray. Response today is this. I'm going to ask you to do two things. Please, you know, not jump in your seats or anything like that. Number one, you pray a prayer that you stop praying? You used to pray once, but you stopped praying. Now you might have to think, oh goodness, what would that be? Maybe, maybe you used to pray for the salvation of your mother, father. Maybe it's too late for that, but you used to pray for people and you stopped because nothing happened. Could I just say, encourage you, pray today. Pick up one prayer that you've stopped praying and start praying it again. Okay, it's just, Holy Spirit, would you guide us and help us? I don't, don't, if it doesn't immediately come to mind, don't worry about it. But number two, would you pray a prayer you've never prayed before? Pray a prayer you've never prayed before. Maybe you want to pray for someone. Maybe someone you work with and you go, you go, oh, they're, they're joking, they will not. Why don't we start praying for somebody? The most difficult people. Pray a prayer you've never prayed before 
before. And if you're, I don't know, you know, whether everyone is a Christian here today or not, but actually the greatest prayer that you could pray, maybe you've never prayed it before, it's actually the prayer of commitment to begin to commit your life to Jesus. Would that be an incredible prayer? I'd say that was the first and the best prayer I ever made. I was 16. I was, uh, uh, my dad had just left home. We were broken, our family. We didn't know where to turn to. And as Rhiannon said earlier, there's only one person I could turn to, and that was Jesus. And it was very simple. I didn't know a lot about the Christian life, but I knew this. That it was, I knew this, that as the Bible says, all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be says saved. And if you said that prayer today, whatever way, whatever way it goes, it might look something like this. Jesus, I need you. You might even say, use the word, actually, there's, a, there's things in my life that I need taken care of. The Bible calls it sin. And I need you. And I want to commit my life into your hands, knowing that you will forgive me and take me into your family. You might want to pray a prayer like that today. Why don't we pray together? For those who maybe for the first time are praying that, maybe this is simpler. Jesus, I am a sinner, but Jesus died for me. I welcome you and ask you to come into my life, forgive my sins, and make me one of your children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you did that today, would you just keep your eyes closed? If you prayed that prayer something like it, committing your life to Christ, would you just slip your hand up so we can maybe pray for you afterwards, talk to you, get a sense of what God's doing. I'm not going to labor it, but if you, if you did that today, would you, would, you put, would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Lord, I want to thank you. You're still in the business of answering prayers. And we come with absolute confidence today, knowing that there is a God who not only hears us, can actually do something about what we pray about. We thank you that when we pray, things begin to change. Lord, we pray for breakthroughs, salvations, healings, all the things, Father, that we long in our heart. Lord, may they come, and may we see them, Lord, beginning, some of them beginning, and some of them being brought to completion over this 21 days of fasting. In Jesus' name, amen.